This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Hello and welcome to Culture Check, a Tailgate Society podcast. Please check the TailgateSociety.com and subscribe to Tailgate Society podcasts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Arnold Woods, and I'm joined, as always, by Emily Cornell. Emily, what's going on? Hello. How is everything going? It's good. It's uh, very hot up here. They made a big deal uh, out of that past couple of days. It was like a heat index of like 105, so I didn't do anything outside today. Oh, How is it down there God. in Texas? Um, it's not – I don't think it was that hot today. I mean, it was hot, obviously. Texas is hot in the middle of the summer, but um, I feel like I talked to different friends – on the east coast and they're like it's like over 100 degrees i'm like it's gonna be 95 today 95 that's gotta be like a i don't know is that is do you consider that hot or is that like average for you is that normal um that's like summer like that's normal for the summer so it's like hot it's not super super unpleasant i think when it gets a little bit hotter though like my the way I gauge it is if I go outside and I feel like my skin is actually burning at that point, I'm like, I'm out. Um, and once you get into the 105 range, like it was here last week, then yeah, you it's, you're out. Um, but it, it's been pretty nice. And in the mornings, it's really nice here to not do a whole lot because it's also humid, but like, it's fine. <laughs> How are you feeling quarantine wise? Are you feeling like you have enough stuff to do around the house? Are you kind of getting cabin fever a little bit? How is that mentally going for you at this? This is mid, we're right in the middle of Jan or January, we're right in the middle of July. Yeah. We are unfortunately seeing the numbers go back up. So, how is everything down there for you in terms of the lockdown lifestyle that you're in? Um, it's not bad. I, so like some of my friends, we started like a book club. Um, so we like meet virtually and we, everyone like kind of gets a chance to pick a book. So like, that's been good to just kind of be distracted in terms of someone else picking a book for me to read. Um, and then just, I don't know. So there are people, have you like talked to people or seen people who are like, Oh yeah, I've watched everything on Netflix. I'm like, Oh my God, how? Yeah, I have. And I can't do that because I'm still, not only just working from home, but I'm also, I have like schoolwork that I have to do. Yeah. And then, you know, two small children. So there isn't, we try to watch as much Netflix as we can at night when the kids are asleep, but it's usually like maybe a, a movie a week or maybe two movies a week. And that's about it. So I hear about people giving out their Netflix recommendations and they've watched like two or three series this month already just binging them and I just can't find the time to do that. So I don't have any of the things going on that you do. I just work and I'm like, how I can watch a show. Like I was watching the Mindy project. That was, that took a couple of weeks to binge. It wasn't like I could just watch it in a weekend. Yeah. People, I don't know. I remember when I was working in TV news when I first started that job and I worked nights and I would come home at this would have been early 2011 and I get home from work at like 11 and then I just watch Friday night lights on Netflix for like three hours. And then I go to bed at four and then wake up at 11 or whatever trash lifestyle, 22 year old lifestyle back then. That was the, that was the young me can't do that anymore. No, <laughs> and you probably shouldn't. It's probably not good for your sleep hygiene. It's not. Not a good, not a good cycle to be on. I'm excited, though, for this, um, for this episode that we're going to be doing right now. We're going to be talking about the movie Bad Boys, 1995 action comedy. 
directed by Michael Bay, starring Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Of course, we were just talking about before we started recording that the third movie, Bad Boys for Life, came out in January. Maybe that's why I said January instead of July earlier, but January feels like three years ago at this point. But nice. it did come out. It did come out January 2020. This movie, as I just said, came out in 1995. And I'll do the summary really quick before we get into um, our thoughts on the movie and then our thoughts on the performances of Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. I think we're focusing on Will Smith in this episode, but he's the co-lead with Martin Lawrence. So I'm sure we'll talk about Martin as well. So action comedy, the... Plot is that two narcotics detectives in Miami, Mike Lowry and Marcus Burnett, investigate $100 million worth of heroin stolen by mafia out of a police vault. Mike has an informant named Max, who he asked to let him know if any new, newly rich people are looking for escorts in Miami. Max then brings her friend Julie to an escort job she booked with a crooked former cop named Eddie Dominguez. Dominguez's drug kingpin boss, Fouché, arrives and kills Dominguez and Max. Julie escapes. She calls the police station, but will only talk to Mike because Mike knew Max. Police Captain Howard forces Marcus to speak to her and tell her that he's Mike. She doesn't know the difference because she's never met Mike. Marcus takes Julie to Mike's apartment to hide her from Fouché and his henchmen because she's a witness to a murder. When Mike and Marcus are trying to find the missing drugs, they're pretending to be each other to ensure Julie's cooperation. She identifies one of the henchmen, so Mike and Marcus go to a known hangout of the henchmen. Trio end up in a car chase with the henchmen that a news helicopter gets footage of, and later Marcus's sons see it. Marcus's wife confronts him at Mike's because she was under the impression that he was temporarily reassigned to Cleveland. Fouché and his henchmen also show up at Mike's apartment and kidnap Julie. They had seen the news report as well, and they also saw them staking them out earlier in the film. Mike and Marcus's department gets shut down by, an in- by internal affairs for not finding the stolen heroin, but Captain Howard delays the reassignment so Mike and Marcus can solve the case. They recruit other detectives and ultimately blow up Fouché's plans and kill him. So with that summary in mind, hopefully if you're listening to this podcast, you've seen Bad Boys. If not, I would say we both recommend it, right? You would recommend it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. So what were your overall thoughts on the the movie, I guess, before we get into the, the individual performances? Yeah, so this is the first time I had ever watched it. Um shocking my family they're like have you never seen this movie it's such a fun movie and um I agree I think it was a really good action movie um the last two movies that we or the performances we had talked about but like the movies featuring those performances um are like historical (laughs) about real people like who have kind of furthered um just like the black community in um so just to see something like this where like will smith and martin lawrence within pop culture like i know that they've been big probably more will smith in my life than martin lawrence um so like knowing that going into this film and like watching it and it just being like a really fun action film like there's nothing to think about of like oh like what ended up happening after all of it? Like, it's just a, it's just another um, movie. I expected more explosions in the middle and because it's Michael Bay and they were delivered at the end. <laughs> um, so those are kind of my like initial thoughts. It being again, the first time I had watched it and just kind of what I came into it with. Um, you rewatched it. What did you think rewatching it? Yeah, this is a movie that I'm really familiar with. I've seen it a bunch. Watching it again today, I picked out certain scenes that my sister and I would quote to each other all the time. We have this thing where just these shared movies and TV shows that we watched, that we used to watch together all the time growing up, we kind of just like quote those lines to each other randomly through text or whenever we're together. And so I, I picked out a few of those moments in the movie. And when they happened, I was like, oh, yeah, that's something Ebony and I always, like, say to each other. And, you know, you say it so much and it's so ingrained in you that sometimes you forget, like, what specifically it's from, like, what TV show it's from or what movie it's from. And so, like, when it was presented to me again, when I saw it watching the movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what that's from. Uh, It was great, though. 
I don't remember, I have this in our outline, but like, I think that every time I watched the movie, this is a movie that was always on growing up on HBO or Cinemax or whatever. And it, it just seems like I would always start the movie like 20 minutes in. So it's hmm. rare that I would see the movie right from the beginning. And so watching it today and, and seeing the opening like heist, at first I was like, what's, it was kind of confusing to me. Cause I'm like, are they at a bank? Are they at, where are they at? And then afterwards understanding that they were stealing heroin from a police department from the from the miami police department i was like it kind of threw me off guard because i was just it was a little disorienting because i wasn't sure exactly what was going on and then they're like flying through tubes on like little skis or whatever and like taking the heroin out and it was kind of i found it kind of like overly convoluted that mm-hmm. opening scene it was just weird but Great movie. Love the movie. Love that it's in Miami. I love my have you ever been to Miami? Um, no. <laughs> I've been to the airport, but I've not been to Miami. So I've been to Miami twice. I've been to Miami once the summer after eighth grade. And I really I just love the city. I loved how you know palm tree, how there are palm trees and stuff. I'm from the Midwest, obviously. I'm from Iowa, so I don't that type of scenery was new to me. Yeah. But I also, I loved how like diverse it was and it was just really cool. And so it was a city I wanted to visit again. And so we went there for our honeymoon and that was the second time that I visited. And so obviously it's a lot different when you're an adult than when you're a kid. Yeah. But when I went as an adult on our honeymoon, we just had an incredible time and we were in South Beach and we spent some time in different neighborhoods and actually, we were on Miami Beach. We walked to our hotel was in Miami Beach, and then we like walked to South Beach, and then we spent some time downtown and in different neighborhoods and stuff. But I just love that city, and it's really diverse and really vibrant. And there's so much history there. A lot of we went to a museum that showed some of the Black history that's um, associated with Miami, and that was really cool. So, you know, the first like five or six minutes of the movie is just establishing shots of Miami, like as the credits are going and you just you're seeing downtown Miami, you're seeing these different neighborhoods. And it's such a it's a very Miami movie in that aspect of it. I liked a lot because I just really love that city. So it was it was really fun to to rewatch that and to recognize how how big a role the city itself plays in the movie. What did you think about that in terms of like the setting? How did you, how did that come across to you as you were watching it? So it's really interesting that you like it being in Miami really like stands out to you. Um, I wouldn't have thought much of it. And I feel like probably because a lot of the movies I watch, like nothing's ever set in Miami. <laughs> I'm just like, Oh, right. Miami is a city in Florida. Um, probably because I'm just like, Oh, nothing can ever happen in the state of Florida. Um, and there are things that are influencing that. I do think that like they do a nice job of just like showing Miami in the movie, but yeah, it wasn't something that I was like, Oh, Miami. Um, because again, I'm just like, Oh, it's just like another, another city, but it makes sense. Like more movies should be set in Miami and less in, Chicago, New York, LA, like Miami, like functions as a good backdrop for a film and for it to just like have all this, like so much that's happening in it, Um, you know, from the drugs being stolen to like the car chase and everything. So um, it really, not knowing a ton about Miami, I'm like, oh, it seems like their traffic is not as bad as LA. Yeah, it's interesting. Excuse me, especially when you consider the, like the next two movies, which I don't think that you've seen the other two movies. No. But in the other two movies, they're also they're both set in Miami, but a significant portion of those two movies takes place away mm-hmm. from Miami. So the third act of Bad Boys Two takes place in Cuba, and then the third act of Bad Boys for Life, which is the third movie. Which is ridiculous because they should have saved that for the four, fourth, mm-hmm. right? Like bad boys yeah. four life. Like come yeah. on, just missed opportunities there. But that one, I think the the latter part of that movie takes place in Mexico. So this is the only movie of the series that's 
set only in Miami. And I think that just, and we'll talk a little bit later about the culture of the movie and how Will, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence kind of um, imbibe the movie with, with, with black culture, just yeah. like naturally. Yeah. But you see like the other cops, right? It's the, the two other cops that are kind of playing off of Will Smith and, and Martin Lawrence are like these two Hispanic cops. Yeah. And they have this banter back and forth between them and the, the, the former cop that was dirty that gets killed in the beginning is, you know, his last name is Dominguez. And it's just like, there's, there's this, um, this juxtaposition of like black and Latinx culture in the movie. And it's just like, naturally, you don't really think about it, but it's, it's, it's part of like Miami itself. Right. Yeah. Where it's this like melting pot of these, of these two, um, of these two cultures and, and multiple cultures. But I think that just, you know, the characters names and where they're going, the locations and everything like that is just everything kind of plays in like the characters also play into the the setting, which is a very diverse setting. Yeah. And that's, I like that the film, like it, it being set in Miami and they don't just have all of the other characters outside of Will Smith and Martin Lawrence white. Like that's really important that they do have Hispanic characters. They do like show the different cultures. Um, we've seen it. <laughs> we've seen it in plenty of movies, TV shows, whatever, where a show will be set in a place like Miami, New York, LA, and you only see white people. And I'm like, yeah. right. Are, is this real life? It'd be like if someone set a film in Houston and only, and like in Houston, in Houston, not in one of the suburb cities, um, and didn't show people who were Hispanic or Southeast Asian. I'd be like, or, or black. I'd be like, um, is this Houston? Like it's the right. most diverse city in the country. Are you telling me that you only see like white people? Like there's no way. So um, it being a movie in the nineties, I'm also like kind of judgy about the nineties where I'm like, ah, oh, they let friends happen where they live in New York and there's one black person in the whole series and it's Gabrielle Union. Um, I, so it's good that they do show other ethnicities and cultures um, in a big action movie. So doing some research on the film, I saw, I mean, this is, you know, research. This is like Wikipedia, basically. But I saw that the two cop roles were offered to John Lovitz and Dana Carvey, both from Saturday Night Live in the 90s. Mm. And it was originally supposed to be set in New York. So to your point, I wonder if that had happened, that version of the movie, right? That version of the movie is probably the secondary characters are white. There's maybe one black character and it's just a very different movie. Like it's a completely different type of movie. The comedy is probably different. The comedy is for sure different because the yeah. comedy here with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence riffing off each other is going to be completely different than Dana Carvey and John Lovitz. So I just, I agree with everything you said in terms of the supporting characters in these diverse cities, like in New York, like in Miami, like in LA. The first time I've been to LA twice. And the first time I went to LA was, I think that was also 2011, but it was just a, a, a just a thriving, obviously just a, a thriving Hispanic population down there. Mm -hmm. And Everything in LA that you see, the the majority of everything that you see in LA in terms of movies and, and TV shows and stuff, it's like overwhelmingly white. So I agree. This this movie kind of shifts from that. This movie, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it's much more representative of the city that it's that is taking place in, which is cool. Um, I wanted to ask you about if we can get into this with Will Smith, right? So this is a this is an interesting movie to look at Will Smith's career, in my opinion. This is his first really, this is like his breakout movie role. He's already been on Fresh Prince for a number of years at this point. Uh, the movie was shot in 94 and it was released in 95. And so in 93, he was in two movies in like smaller roles, um, Six Degrees of Separation 
in which he plays like a I've never seen that movie before, but he plays like a kind of a con man type thing. He's like this. The big thing was that he was a con man in the role and that he was gay in the role. Hmm. So that was like the two big things about Six Degrees of Separation. But that wasn't a starring role for him. And then he was in a movie called Made in America with Whoopi Goldberg and Ted Danson in that movie. I haven't seen that movie in forever, but he is a side character in that as well. And so in the 90s, he has this incredible run, right? Where it's Independence Day and Men in Black and Enemy of the State. Like he, he becomes this massive movie star, maybe a top two movie star on the planet, maybe the top movie star on the planet. But it starts with Bad Boys. Bad Boys is where he breaks out. And it's... Looking at his career now, it's just, it's kind of interesting to look back and think of, in terms of a, of a movie star, it all kind of started with this. So what did you think about Will Smith in this role? I enjoyed him in this role, but I've also seen him mostly in roles like this. Um, like when I was watching it, my roommate is like, are you watching Bad Boys? I'm like, yeah. Like, was Will Smith always a cop? like in the 90s like did every single role he have did he play a cop um and so like I of course I've seen Fresh Prince and like love it but because I think both the show and that now watching this movie and like any movie with Will Smith like I did not watch it in chronological order of it being made so I'm like oh yeah like Will Smith does serious movies like Independence Day but he's also in movies like Hitch and so he's like uh, not really like a Brad Pitt, but like a Matthew McConaughey where he like, he does different movies. He's just like, to me, he is a movie star. And like, of course he would be in a movie like Bad Boys. And for it to be like his kind of breakout role, I'm just like, oh my gosh. It's like, like he is so serious in it. Like his character kind of has a chip on his shoulder. Cause like he's super well off and decides to become a cop. And I'm just like, I mean, yeah, like, all right, you you have all this money and you're like, I'm going to go be a police officer. Sure. Um, and so for him to kind of play a character that is like a little more complex like that, like I can't say that his other characters in the 90s, well, he does it very well. Like Will Smith is a great actor and all the movies he's in, they're great. But like, to me, I'm like, oh, like what a kind of, you're playing this character is like, oh, I just want to like do the right thing. And like, his friend like he sees the dead body of max and like that really you know that plays into the characters like motivations for the rest of the movie um plus trying to like prove himself and like you know give martin lawrence's character like shit when he deserves it but also like being a good friend so like he he has a lot going on and will smith does a lot with it and so again i'm like oh this is his first movie like i wouldn't i wouldn't know he does it so well yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about your point in terms of him being in the Fresh Prince and then being in this movie, because I agree with you. This is a radically different character yeah. than Will Smith from the Fresh Prince. He's almost like the straight man in this movie compared to Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence is the more outlandish, yeah. Um, you know, talking a mile a minute and with the most jokes. And, and Will Smith, obviously has a lot of funny moments in the movie and he's, his character is certainly a, um, certainly a, um, a source of comedy in the film, but it's, it's mostly Martin. Martin is the one that's kind of the, the energetic, goofy character. He's the one that has the most like physical comedy in terms of there's the, the section at the end of the movie where he's, he's convinced that um that will smith is and and is cheating with his wife basically that yeah. that his wife is cheating with will smith and so he goes to sneak into his into his house and and find them and he, he falls on the um he falls off of the roof and they're rolling around and like that's played for comedy like most of that stuff is martin but 
Will Smith is relatively like straight laced. And like you said, he's very serious. And yeah, like the chip on his shoulder of being the rich kid. Like there's the scene in the car where Martin tells Will that the rest of the force thinks that he's, you know, this rich kid playing cop and that really affects him. And he gets really pissed off about it. And he kind of lays into to everyone and, you know, I, you know, bust my ass every day. I'm the first one in the last one out, that type of thing. Like he has this, he has a couple of those types of like monologues, those actory monologues. And that's just so different from the Fresh Prince where he's the goofy one and Fresh mm-hmm. Prince. He's the, the physical comedy one, the jokester, the one who's talking, not necessarily talking a mile a minute, a minute like Martin is on his show at the time as well, as well as in this movie. But Will in, in, in Fresh Prince is, is 100% the goofy one. And in this movie, he's not. And that's such an interesting, that's an interesting thing to me because you would think that the, you know, Fresh Prince was a very successful show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have these two big TV stars basically teaming, teaming up to make this movie. And Will could have easily leaned into what he was doing on Fresh Prince in order to make this, you know, his 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 biggest starring movie role. You know, it it would have been easy for him to go back to the Fresh Prince well and play that type of character, play that style. But he maybe understanding that, you know, both of them can't do that, right? Both of them can't be the goofy person. One of them has to play it straight. And so Will is the one that plays it straight. And it's really fascinating to me because that's that had to have been a conscious choice that he made. And I think it works well. I think the two of them just play well off of each other. What did you think of their their chemistry in the movie? I think they did, like, together, they're really a good pair. Um, like, they do play off of each other really well, and they're fun to watch. And, like, um, they're the scenes where it's, like, a tense situation, like, the opening scene or or not the opening scene, but like when it's opening to them and they're like sitting in Will's character's car and it like kind of like going back and forth and like arguing and people walk up and pull them out and like they have guns and they're just like, well, we're cops. And they like continue to argue with each other um, while like their lives are being threatened. And then they just like deal with the situation. And they do that a couple of times where. Um, yeah. That's like a bit in the movie. It keeps yeah. happening. Yeah, and so it, like, those scenes, because, like, in, in any scene they're in together, like, again, they do very well playing off of each other, but those ones where it's just, like, very quick, like, they have to, it's just back and forth between them, and then, like, something, there's an action going on, and so to be doing it like that, um, it, it's, like, fun to watch. I'm like, oh, I want to watch more movies with Martin Lawrence and Will Smith in it together, um, cause I, I, again, I've seen more like Will Smith movies than Martin Lawrence. Um, but like, I'll probably be watching bad boys too, <laughs> just to like right. see that to see if it's the same. Um, so yeah, they, they balance each other. And because like, while the viewer probably knows that Will Smith can be very funny, him being just very like contained, um, it works really well. And, um, Martin Lawrence does really well being the the person who's like ready to fly off the handle. Yeah. It's such a perfect pairing really for a number of reasons. First of all, just like physically, right? Like Will Smith is the tall, tall one. And then, you know, tall and lean. And then in this movie, Martin's pretty skinny as well, but it's like the tall and the short, right? Like the, the opposites, but they're best friends. Mm-hmm. And Will Smith is like the smooth ladies, man, has a lot of women and, you know, there's women calling his phone all the time and the, and the girl shows up later on in the movie. And, you know, he's, his character is known for kind of being like this suave guy versus, um, versus Martin Lawrence as Marcus Burnett, who's the family man, married three young kids at home, very much, um, grounded in his family. And that's played for laughs as well when they have to switch identities Right. And Marcus has to fake like he's this ladies man. And at every turn, you know, there's the woman like I like I just mentioned who comes into the apartment thinking it's thinking it's Will Smith, thinking it's Mike. And Marcus has to turn her away. And then there's a there's a little moment where um, Taylor Leone's character, Julie, and 
and Marcus are, you know, on the bed together and she's kind of maybe trying to initiate something and he's, you know, trying to play it cool, but knowing that he can't, you know, he's not going to cheat on his wife. So all of those things, just like the opposites of each other, it's just, it makes them such a good pair. And so they're very compelling to watch and there's a familiarity between the two of them. It's established that they've known each other for a long time. And I just think that that plays out in their performances really well. Yeah, I agree. Um, so when you were watching this, like, what do you think if this were to be made like today in today's climate, like, what do you think would be changed? Um, other than like, obviously the graphics of like the computers wasn't that wild? <laughs> oh my god. That was like when my roommate was like, "Oh my goodness." I'm like, "Yeah, that's we only see really good graphics these days, but just um yeah, we're obviously it would still still in Miami, they would keep it pretty diverse. They might even make it more diverse. Right. Um but like what are some other changes you would see that they might bring in in a not like bad boys for life, but just like this movie being made if it was like just starting you mean yeah that i mean that question that's a good question that it immediately draws to mind kind of a parallel question which would be like who would they cast as the two leads that's the first question that comes michael to mind when you ask that question. right yeah that, that <laughs> had the same thing <laughs> michael b it's because it's harder for like people the transition from tv star to movie star it's a little bit different now than it was 20 years ago I guess that would have been, yeah, 25 years ago is when that movie came out. Oh, my god! So I think that, yeah, right. It's wild. <laughs> so I think that, um, yeah, I, Michael B. Jordan and then someone like, like a John Boyega or something like that, maybe, or mm. I don't know. I don't not, see. Mm-hmm. Not, don't see it? Well, who are like young black comedians? I don't even know, because like Michael B. Jordan is. Michael not, Shea, but like he wouldn't be in no. this at all. No. Um. Oh my gosh. There are not a lot of young black comedians that are Oh, Gerard Carmichael. Oh, That's yeah. It. He would he would be good in this. Yeah, for sure. So let me think who else. I'm gonna do some on the spot Googling here. Like I can only think of like the SNL cast. Yeah. Which is not a great thing to pull from when you're looking for diversity. It would probably be like a YouTube person now or like a Twitter or TikTok comedian or whatever is someone that got famous off of that. Yeah. Or someone who is like Ali Wong. So she had like two Netflix specials and then she did a movie. So I could see something like that where it's like someone who is a comedian there. They've been on the, Oh, like Trevor. No, not Trevor. No, no. Um, but someone like that who's like worked on one of those shows and then well late night show and has been a comedian there and then they like do something. Um, I think Netflix is how they're they're making it into film. Yeah, I'm gonna throw someone out like uh, that dude on Twitter, like Mark Supreme. I think isn't it is his name? Mark Supreme. Uh, I don't know. How do you, I'm trying to look up now. Mark Phillips. His Twitter is at Supreme Dreams underscore one. Mark Phillips like a Twitter comedian, YouTube comedian, hilarious. Oh, just makes these yeah. funny, just makes these funny like clips. I want to see him blow up. So like he would be someone I would suggest, even if he doesn't, if they don't pick him, I think he would be hilarious. And like him and Gerard Carmichael, I think would be hilarious together. I'm about to write this script. God damn it. <laughs> to be honest with you, now that we're talking about this, cause I think that would be a perfect, like Mark Phillips would be the Martin Lawrence and Gerard Carmichael would be, the Will Smith straight man, but all, who's also really funny with like the drier sense of humor. Yeah. I, I think that's, that. that's what I'm, I'm staking it right now. Is okay. So this person is in a, I feel like in so many movies, would you, how would you cast Lakeith Stanfield? Wow. That would be a good one. Like, obviously he couldn't be either of the detectives because right. like, I feel like he's stoned and like he comes out stoned and like everything he's in, but like, obviously he has to be in it. Well, he played a, he played a cop in Knives Out. So yeah, maybe he's, but that was maybe, such a minor role. Right. But maybe he's the, maybe he's the police chief. 
I think that but would that, work out well. That would be, he, he wouldn't do it like, um, what's his name in the movie? Joe Pantolonio or whatever in this movie is the police chief. Oh yeah. Cause he's like super amped and like, he is Canfield's never that. Right. So it'd be definitely a different. And I, I, I think about how, how the, how the dynamic would be different if the police chief was also black. Oh yeah. Which I don't know. I think that would be interesting because it's like, I think of, so this one, a movie like this, this is, we're going off on a tangent right now, but I love it. Um, it a movie like, a movie like this with the two black cops and the white police chief. And they have a great relationship, obviously. Like yeah. they're, they're, you know, they're, it's antagonistic, but they, you can tell that they love each other deep down. And that certainly comes through in the next two movies. Like the three of these, these three um, people have a, have a caring relationship. Like they care about each other. Yeah. Um, but then something like 21 Jump Street. Did you see 21 Jump Street? Of course. <laughs> so, okay. So it's the two white police detectives and then, and then Ice Cube is yeah. the, the chief. And so it's different. And they also, like, they care about each other, but yeah. it's also antagonistic, but it's a different dynamic. Yes. So I don't know. It's interesting. But we should, we're going to, when we finish this podcast, we're going to start writing this movie because I love okay. where, where we're at right now. I'd be in for that. Um, well, and then like, I was thinking even like the dynamic just because obviously the 90s had its challenging points in terms of um, race relations and the police. Um, but like, again, if this movie were made now, it's starting off, it's starting the the um, trilogy. I would assume they're going to stop after three. Um what would because you said how they kind of bring in like black culture a little bit like in the way that they talk to each other and like you you just know so like how would they do that now like if they were talking about it now where they're just like yeah they still bring it but like how does that change if the movie is made in 2020 and it's a police department in 2020 it'd be interesting like you said especially in this moment where we're we're having these conversations about what should policing look like moving forward? Mm-hmm. And there's talks about defunding police and putting some of the police funding into different community programs. So what if it's a comedy where it's two cops, two black cops who have their department de- um, defunded and now they have to be, now they're community workers or they're, you know, they're, they're getting training to be able to deal with the community's problems without using police force. And they're reluctant to it at first, or maybe they kind of understand it, but maybe they kind of don't. And then like, maybe as the movie progresses, the comedy comes from them being used to, this is, man, this is wild. So you think about the world that Bad Boys is set in, where it's this Mm -hmm. overwhelming, and this is, you know, this is police movies in the 80s, 90s, up until now. Yeah. This fantasy of like super criminal, hyper criminalized, yes. crazy, you know, moving 80 bricks of heroin, 80 bricks of coke, whatever it is. And now this movie is a comedy, but it's saying like it's it's commenting on that, right? Where it's yeah. like, we don't need this our narcotics department to be to have a four hundred million dollar budget every year because not that many people. A, not that many people are doing heroin. B, there's not that many crimes associated with heroin like that. So we're going to defund this department. We're going to defund the narcotics department. And you guys are like shooting and shooting up city blocks and shooting up nightclubs and stuff like that. Like we're going to take it. We're going to take you away from that. And now you're going to learn how to um, handle a community's problems without using, without pulling your gun out every two seconds. And then like, that's where the comedy comes from and then at the end they see how um like the the comedy is that the the community isn't like you're not having to go on these high-speed chases two times a week maybe that's where it comes from does that kind of make sense at all i'm not a movie writer you know no it's it was an open-ended question and i think you're really thinking it through and as you're saying that i'm like yeah but like where are the explosions because it's still probably going to be a michael bay film so there's going to be explosions that you also don't see in real life. <laughs> right. 
it makes me think of like so in 21 jump street right like that's a thing where they're that's a kind of a recurring bit where they keep thinking that something's gonna explode and then it doesn't yeah or they're like shooting at something and then there's a scene in this movie where at the end in that big like airplane hangar culmination shootout or whatever julie's in the car and she you know she's the there's a thing like a hundred yards away. There's all these canisters of ether, maybe like a hundred yards away, less than that, maybe like 40 yards away from her. And she puts her foot on the gas and like jumps out of the car. And I'm like, that car could have, would have been going max like 40 miles an hour. So what would have happened in real life is they like hit the canisters and like, that's it. Like some of the canisters, but she like jumps out of the car and there's just like this massive explosion. These like metal canisters of ether. And it's just like, that's, that's the 90s Michael Bay action movie in a nutshell. These unnecessary, unnecessarily large explosions that in real life, a couple canisters get knocked over. And like, that's, that's it. Pretty much. That's, that's it's very 90s that everything yeah. just like is a huge explosion. That's such a great question. I'm so glad you asked that. And I just, I, I, want, I want to bring this into kind of circling back a little bit and I wanted to get your thoughts on this because there you make such a good point because we're we're in a moment right now and we've mentioned this on on podcasts before with just like cops in general cop, how cops are presented in movies in general mm-hmm. and again like Miami is presented in this movie as like this city that's over overrun with crime and these mafia bosses doing these 100 million dollar deals around drugs but in reality in most places, that's not really happening. And so you have these two black cops who are, you know, fighting crime in this way. And like, that's how, you know, the relationship between black people and police in movies is presented in a way that isn't reality for black people and police, black people and police um, in the everyday world. Yeah. And so there's a scene in the movie that I wanted to get your opinion on, because this really stuck out to me. Even in the movie, this is this is how the movie is so much different. This movie would not have this scene if it were John Lovitz and Dana Carvey in the roles as originally intended. But there's a scene towards the beginning where Marcus and Mike go into a house that has a dead body in it. And so they kind of sneak into the house and they don't have a warrant, but they like open the door and they're like looking in. And Will Smith makes the joke, right, where he's like, hi, we're your new neighbors, we're Negroes. And then Martin Lawrence is like, you can't say it like that. You know, you got to, you just got too much bass in your voice. You don't want to scare these white people. And then he like puts on the fake white person voice to like kind of, you know, but so that's a joke, right? But there's, there's so, there's so much, there's so much subtext in that joke. Subtext in that scene, right? Where these, these two black men were cops, right? Cops, original cops, ostensibly, they can do whatever they want. They, especially in movies and movies, Cops are, you know, Schwarzenegger or whoever else with the big bads and the big gun, and they don't they don't care who's in their way. They shoot first, ask questions later, which they do, which you know, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence do a lot in this movie. Mm-hmm. But when they're in the white neighborhood, when they come up to the house and they're talking about how, you know, there's no one answers the door, and Martin's like, well, We came all all the way to this high society house, we're not gonna leave now just because we don't have a warrant and no one's answering the door. So it's established that they're in this white neighborhood, these two black men, and they're still trying to, ask police, de-escalate the situation. They don't want to scare the white people in the home. Um, there's so much subtext there. Why don't they want to do that, right? Because, well, if a white person sees two black people, despite their identities as cops, if a white person is frightened by these two, if a white family is frightened by these two black people in their home unannounced, there's going to be problems for them. And they're cops, right? They're like authority figures, but that 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 joke was just like jumped out to me in a way that it never has before. So what did you think of that? It made me laugh. I was as they're walking in and I'm like I wasn't expecting them to say anything when they were just like, "Oh, hey." And like oh, <laughs> just like the the exchange they have um so that they're like, "Oh, we need to make sure that they know that we're safe." Um like it kind of, I mean, of course it made me laugh. I'm like, oh yeah, like you definitely, they're, they're code switching and like, they understand that. They cannot be, they have to like kind of present, they have to present themselves in a way that like seems quote unquote safe 
Um, and, and so like there, it's funny, but it's also like, yeah, you like kind of have to do that. And I'm sure that like even cops today that are black cops are like, Ooh, I need to, you know, kind of change how I'm talking. I need to change my body language. I need to change all these different things that like black Americans are very familiar with doing all of these things. Um, but like, I would assume that cops also worry about this as well. Just the climate, the way people feel about cops, but also um, if any cop went into a, a very white neighborhood um, there's, and they're black, they, they, yeah, they're going to kind of change their behavior. And like, it's funny to see on TV because it's a movie and like Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are really like, it's comedic relief, but like it's also real life. So like maybe that's also why it's funny. For sure, there's there's honesty and humor, right? Yeah. And so it's I was looking up information on the movie and researching it and stuff like that. I also learned, and I talked about this in the in the TGS Slack the other day, uh, maybe actually a couple of weeks ago. But we because we were talking about randomly, we were talking about Michael Bay movies, but a lot of this movie was improvised. Like a lot of the dialogue, especially between Martin Lawrence and Will Smith was, was improvised. And I saw that the script that was written, Michael Bay didn't really like. And so he encouraged the two of them to kind of play off of each other. And so, you know, just any, any action movie from the nineties, really any major movie from the nineties, I'm guessing there's not a lot of black writers yeah. who wrote the movie. Yeah. And so I just don't see, I don't see a white writer writing that scene or no. writing that dialogue between no. the two of them, right? Like that's them discussing the scene and discussing how it's going to work and the joking around it. And them like, and again, like they're pushing black culture into the movie where they know, Hey, it doesn't matter that we're cops. We're still, you know, we're in this rich neighborhood. We're in this white neighborhood. We need to appear non-threatening to whoever's in this house no matter that we're cops, whatever, we're still going to, you know, this is how, this is how America works. And they don't have to explicitly say that, but that's the subtext of that scene. And so that was just really, really interesting to me. I'm glad you pulled that scene out because it definitely was one that like will probably stick out when I think back on the movie because it's so relevant and it's like, it's wild that it's been 25 years since that movie was made. And it's still like, that would be funny in a movie today. Right. It's still so, so relevant. Yeah. And that joke is just like, I, I saw that happening. And I've, that's a joke that I've seen in that movie a million times because I've seen the movie a million times, but I'm, you know, I'm thinking a little bit differently about the movie now than I was when I was a child watching it. So, yeah. And oh, yeah. when I was a child, like I got it, right? Like I understood why, but like now watching it, I'm like, wait, they're cops though, right? But yeah. they're still, they're still having to, you know, lower themselves to appear non-threatening. And like that, on that level, it's just like, it was so crazy to see. But um, what are some of the things um, as we continue the convo or, or however long we, we are going to continue this convo, what are some of the things about the movie that you maybe had issues with or didn't like as much? So I definitely had issues with how um, the women in the story were kind of just used as props. Um, and I think that's like Michael Bay movies in general. Um, I probably have like a limited number of his movies I've watched because it's just like explosions, explosions, fire. I'm like, great. Um, please tell me what's happening. Um, so I think of Transformers and like Megan Fox and kind of how she plays a character who like doesn't really get like a ton of development it's just there to be like hot um and like that was in the 2000s so it's just like ah you made no progress since the 90s wherein um in bad boys so like max she is like will smith's love interest but like he kind of uses her um and that's like why she dies ultimately is because he's using her. And then Julie is like the damsel in distress. But then like when she's just hanging out in the apartment, I'm just like, no, 
no one's doing this. Like no woman is sitting in a stranger's apartment behaving like this. Um, and so they just aren't painted in a way that I'm like, ah, I feel good about women in this movie. I feel really bad about women in this movie. I feel like they could have been just like, had better character development. They could have been treated in a way that was just not like a prop. Um, and then Teresa, who is uh, Martin Lawrence's character's wife, is just like painted as this like really like naggy wife who's like kind of annoyed that he like works weird hours. And I'm like, uh, if you have multiple children with someone and you've been married, you probably know that their job is like, if they if they've been in this job like since you've been together you know that they are working weird hours and like that's not something you're still like hung up on and um yeah I just I'm like wow she like is almost there I'm like oh yes she like has opinions and she's not necessarily just like a prop but like also she's not made out to be like this great character so it's like very frustrating where like an action movie like everyone likes action movies I think they're like a safe pick for most people so like half of your audience is going to be women don't make the women like like poorly developed characters I'll get off my soapbox (laughs) no I agree with you I there's so much that you said that I just it's it's so relevant. It's a Michael Bay movie, right? Like you said, with, with Megan Fox and Transformers. So he has kind of a, a not great history with, with women and women roles in his movies. And Megan Fox has talked about her experience. First of all, Megan Fox was also in Bad Boys 2. There's like a, a scene, a random scene that she talked about where she's, she was like 15 at the time. Yeah, my roommate was telling me that. Right. Yeah. And so she's like at this club and she's like maybe in a bikini or something like that and just was not treated well there and then worked with Michael Bay two other times, at least I know, on the first two Transformers movies and um, just didn't have wasn't wasn't respected on the set and everything like that. And then just in terms of the character as well, was basically a prop and the characters weren't developed. And I look at this movie where. I think there's like four women speaking roles. The three major ones are Max, who gets killed, like you said, who is Will's love interest for the first like 20 minutes of the movie before she dies. And then Teresa, um, Marcus's wife, played by the actress Teresa Randall, and then Julie, who's played by Taya Leone. So Julie, Max, and Teresa, who are these, you know, three beautiful women who are basically there to be beautiful women. And Teresa, like the main crux of her relationship with Marcus is that, you know, Marcus isn't having sex enough with her and that she's nagging him. Like you said, like there's the recurring jokes are that, you know, he's not getting, he's not, he's not having sex with his wife and that she is just always mad at him. And then Julie, like you said, (laughs) Every time we see Julie, she's like either she's like in her pajamas or she's like half naked or, you know, um, in the apartment chilling randomly. And she is having this antagonistic relationship with the two of them, understandably, because she's being lied to and she's, you know, she's um, fearful for her life and stuff. And towards the end of the movie, they have the three of them develop this bond, which is cool. But throughout the movie, she's just like, she's really there to advance the plot because the plot hinges on her running from these drug lords who she saw kill her friend. And like, that's basically it. And then, um, yeah, Max, obviously this beautiful woman who is doing a favor for Mike and Mike basically gets her killed. And the fourth woman is the secretary at the police station Mm -hmm. who turns out is the girlfriend of one of the drug, one of the people involved with the drug lords. And she basically betrays him, betrays the police department. And, you know, it's an inside job. 
they thought, right? Internal, internal affairs thought was an inside job and it, and it turned out to be her. And she's like really remorseful and stuff, but she gets like three lines and she's, you know, half of them, she's crying. So it's just not a great look for the woman in the movie. I agree with you. Gotta do better. We gotta, gotta have action films where women are at minimum treated as like normal humans. At maximum, they play a large role in like solving this crime. But that might be a really big lift for some directors and writers' rooms. And yeah. like, you know, in 50 years, those people will be old and will no longer be the directors and writers. So by then we'll have diverse writers' rooms. Our action movies will be full of casts that are just like super diverse. We'll get there. We can only hope. That's what we're going to be pushing for. I like. I think it's a good hope, but I also think it's very realistic. I think that we're in a really interesting time with things changing, and like people are speaking up. So hopefully that like translates it down the line. You know, in ten years we have more diverse writers. Like, did you see that um, HBO has a bunch of shows up for like nominations, and a lot of them are like led by black women. So it's like insecure. Um, a black lady sketch show. Um, there was another one, and I'm just like, was yeah, Tina like, King on there for Watchmen? Yes, yes, yes. And okay. so it was like, I was like, all right, so this is like good progress um, for that. Like people like all of those shows, and um, I think Netflix they like try to have different shows and different movies with various ethnicities and different stories being told. So we're in it. We're moving in the right direction. I think uh, 20 to 50 years by then we'll be super old, but like <laughs> by then we'll probably see like everyone represented. And we'll just be that we're like, Oh, I see someone like, I see a show about someone who is black or I see a show about a family that is, Hispanic and not only did they name that they are Hispanic but they said which country and people understand which country it is not everything is Mexico um like I think we're moving there and then hopefully like with more time um it becomes just like all inclusive which I would assume so with things like RuPaul's Drag Race I'm not super familiar with that show I don't really know like how people feel about it but like that seems to be a show that people love and just more content and like um, content creators who are LGBTQ plus. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. I think for me, I was just saying like, we're not the two of us personally aren't in the movie industry. No, um, not even a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so we want, we certainly want this movement movement to continue and we want more representation, not just on screen, but behind camera. Yes. As writers, like you said, as producers, as directors. There's a new Netflix movie called The Old Guard, which was directed by Gina Prince-Blythewood, who directed Love and Basketball. And it is, I think, the number one movie on Netflix right now. And it's an it action is. movie. So that's one that I definitely want to watch. I was planning on trying to find time to watch it this week. I didn't have a chance to, so I'm going to... 100% make it a priority to watch it this week. But that is something I'm very much looking forward to. Gina Prince-Blackwood, of course, a Black woman director. Incredible. So I'm very happy for her success. And hopefully this leads to more opportunities, not just for her, but, but for other Black woman directors. So we need this. Yes. That movie's also on my list today. It was like, ah, oh, I need to watch this. I've heard good things. Me too. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that one. Before we wrap up this one, any more any more thoughts on Bad Boys? Um, I think I'm good. I think I said my piece, and I think I said way too much on the women not getting enough representation in this movie. <laughs> what about you? No, you didn't say it. that's you. That's I agree with you 100. percent And it's known. In terms of Michael Bay, like we said, like he doesn't have a great track record. So 
the the women in this movie are the speaking roles, their props, and then there's just random women in bikinis during different chase scenes and stuff like that. So I agree with you 100%. Great movie, though, overall. Yeah. Something we really enjoy, really fun. Do you want to let them know what we're going to be talking about next week? Yes, I'm very excited for what we're going to talk about next week. Um, it is your favorite movie. It is. It is a very fun movie. And instead of going to another like history movie, we're going to stay in the like kind of action-y vein um, with a very loved movie called Creed to talk Creed. about Michael B. Jordan, who absolutely crushes it in that movie. Very much looking forward to that discussion. Creed from 2015, I believe, late 2015. Going to be great. Uh, our, for, our first sports movie also. Yes, uh, that's so also a big thing. I'm very excited. Looking but, forward to talking about that and, and also Ryan Coogler, the director of Creed. Very much looking forward to that. Be fun. We'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening. <laughs>